Hey, it is the Paul Leslie Hour, and you're tuned in for another episode. This time, Paul's talking with Jennifer Schottstein. You know, William Shakespeare wrote the words, All the world's a stage, and all the men and women merely players. Well, actors are the artists who use their voice, face, and body to present a visual and audio story. Many would even say that actors affect the heart and mind of the audience. Well, actors are definitely interpreters of stories. And in this interview, we'll be joined by an actor, actress of the stage, Jennifer Schottstein. Jennifer's performed in some of the greatest plays, including Shakespeare classics like Hamlet, Romeo and Juliet, A Midsummer Night's Dream, and also Tennessee Williams' Sweet Bird of Youth, and other works such as Five Faces for Evelyn Frost, Jane the Fox and Me, and a production of Les Liaisons Dangerous at Actors Express. Oh, go, Jennifer. Hey, if you've got a minute, would you please check this out? www.thepaulleslie.com slash support. Hey, it makes everything at the Paul Leslie Hour happen and continue. You are the grease for this wheel. <laughs> Thank you. Now it's time for Jennifer Schottstein to share her story and her perspective, which she has gained as a result of dedication to her craft and her work as a teacher, helping other actors learn the art. Paul Leslie, Ms. Jennifer Schottstein, Take it away. I'm here at Cafe Inlet, Atlanta, Georgia. I'm sitting down with Jennifer Schutzstedt. So first of all, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me. Thank you for having me. Okay. What was life like growing up? Fascinating. My parents were musicians in uh, the Orchestra of an Opera House in Germany. So everything was full to the brim of parents going off in the evening to do ballet and opera and very often come and sit and watch. And so that was a huge part of life from the very beginning. And my, my father's parents were all musicians and all the kids were, and it was just a way of life. And when I was very, very young, I desperately wanted to play the Queen of the Night in the Magic Flute. And then I turned out to be an alto, and that dream was crushed and decided, well... I think acting's better. So, so I decided I wanted to do. What is it about acting that's so interesting? I like the idea of telling the story that you don't get from a book or from other things. I like the way you can make it yours. I like the way you can tell the hidden stories. I like the people you can create because so often when you... And, and because I, I used to write and th there's a lot you have to leave up to the imagination of the reader and what I love about acting is that you get to do as much as you want to and you get to revel in your own imagination as, you, as you're telling your story and I love it. Do you think that some people are born to act like it's something that's almost uh, you're born with it or do you think it's something that is a result of your experiences? I'm honestly not sure, because I think that there's a knack that you grow with, but the only thing that's gotten me as far as 
I, I am now is stubbornness and the willingness to stick with it. And as much of an, and, and there's so much you can teach because I do teach gifted high schoolers theater summers, and there is so much that the kids couldn't figure out on their own. But if they're, you know, they're shown a few things here and there, and suddenly they just fix. Well, they're great. They're fantastic. So I, I think it's both. Yes and no. This is kind of a broad question. Okay. <laughs> what is acting? Your interpretation of what the craft is. Well, it's not just creating a person, it's creating a relationship within a story. And through that relationship, I mean, making that story mean something to the people who watch. Is there ever any times when you're acting that you are nervous? Oh, yeah, all the time. All the time? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm superbly hard on myself, just incredibly, and there's always a, a level of, oh, heavens, am I going to measure up? Oh, heavens, am I going to fail at this? Am I going to just fall on my face? And the show I just finished doing, Les Liaisons Dangereuses, I was in a cast of fantastic people. We ran for five weeks, and the entire cast never stopped trying to get better the entire time, which was definitely for me based on the feeling of, oh, no, no, oh, no, no, that wasn't good, I can do better. But, yeah, I mean, you know, if you're playing, if you're doing something you haven't before, of course you get scared. How did you become aware of that play? When I was an undergrad at the University of Evansville in Indiana, I was a costume design major, and they did the show there, and I fell head over heels for it. I thought it was amazing, and I wanted to be the Marquise de Marteuil, and it was lovely, and I loved every moment of it, and the girl who played it was fantastic. And then I saw that Actors Express was doing it and was lucky enough to get called to audition for it and it was over the moon. I haven't prepped that much for audition in a while. It's just such a it's such a fun story. It's got pretty much everything. It's got banter and wit and heartbreak and jealousy and sword fighting and laughter and pain and cruelty and so much fun. It's the story in itself is just fantastic. Was there someone that you acted with in uh, the play that you became a, like a better friend with, that you kind of, you bonded with? It's funny, at the closing night toast, the artistic director, Freddie Ashley of Actors Express, said that our cast was the closest that he'd ever seen at his theater, and all of us got incredibly close. I mean, some things are inevitable when you're getting ready in a very small room with several other women for two hours. But Kristen Butler, who played Cecile, and Park Krausen and I, who was the Marquise de Marteuil, and Paul Hester, who uh, played Vamo, all of us got really close. Maybe not like all, as a group of four, but individually. We got really good relationships, and we hung on after the show, and a lot of us you know, shared troubles and life, work, and all kinds of things, and joys. And yeah, we got closer. That was a huge part of it. Is acting therapeutic, or is it the opposite of that? <laughs> I don't know, because when you go to the theater, you're, you're sort of putting on someone else's problems for a while. So, in a way, it is nice to let go of whatever's bothering you at the moment. It gets dangerous when you try to work through your own stuff in the theater, because, I mean, you're not focused, because you're focused on your own problems, so you aren't really doing the job you're supposed to be doing. But also, if you keep dredging up your own stuff, it just you can't ever really let go of it. So.
So if you start treating acting as therapy, then it gets bad. <laughs> it gets dangerous. And you can't pull yourself out of it when you leave from the theater. When you get a script, or when you're, when you're studying, in addition to learning the lines that everybody, you, you see that on television, you know, someone is thinking what it is to be an actor. They're learning the lines. Yes. What else goes into it? Not the rehearsal, but what, what do you do? I, I mean, this is a really simple way to say it, but I just try to figure out what isn't being said. Specifically with liaisons, just because we just closed and because I'm thinking about it. The play is written on a book written in 1782 by Pierre Chaudelot de Lactos, and it's a series of letters written by the actors, the characters to each other. And a lot of it was reading that and trying to figure out what to make of Madame de Tourval, who I was playing. And finally, it boils down to trying to see where the script is lying, almost, I feel, because especially in this one, the stage directions had me you know, having like a, a crying conniption fit in all but one scene. And I, I can't help... The director and I were agreed this would get so annoying so fast if we fell into that. So we had to figure out what was going on because other characters talk about me and they, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a prude, I'm religious, I'm cold, I'm distant, all those kind of things. And they talk about you know, Madame de Tourvel's religion and her God and everything and she never never mentions her, her faith. She doesn't talk about it. The only time she says anything about God is when she says, I know God is punishing me for my pride. The parts that other people say about her seem to color things like the, the movies that have been made and a lot of the portrayals that I've seen. But when you look at what she actually says, the only time she mentions God really is, is, is that even in the book is to go, ah, oh, God. So they're exclamations, and she's because she's in pain or in distress, or she's she doesn't know what to do. What she does mention all the time is how she's afraid that the man she's in love with will treat her just like the other women he seduced and left and ruined, and she's terrified of that. And she mentions that more than anything else. How could you treat those other women like that? How could you do that? And there's another part in the letters where she says that she has a very low opinion of herself. Or she, not a low opinion, she says she has no false modesty and no false pride. But she knows that there is nothing about her that could keep him interested. There's nothing about her. And so suddenly you start to piece together from those sentences, a person who would say that is someone who doesn't think very well of herself, who doesn't like herself very much, and who is afraid that she will... That even though she is in love, if she gives herself up, the only thing that is keeping him with her, the only thing that's keeping him interested is that she's saying no. So the moment she says yes, he's gone. He'll be happy for five minutes and he's out. And so, yeah, it was about finding one whose heartbreak was not what it seemed to be, which is, oh, she's giving up, you know, her, her marriage and her virtue and her God and everything for this man who then leaves her. It became the story of a woman who is dreadfully in love and wants to give in so badly, but knows that if she does that she'll lose the exact thing she wants. So it's figuring out yeah, what is it being said? So did you watch the film version of Glenn Close and John Dalton? I watched a few clips after the fact. I'm going to sit down and see it soon. I just I can't because I mimic very, very well. Uh-huh. So 
I yeah, I can't I can't I can't watch the film versions because otherwise I find myself accidentally copying instead of instead of thinking up my own way of doing things. Are you a strong observer of people? Not as much as I would like. No. What do you mean by that? Well, I was one of those kids who didn't like, talk to people or anything, and I found. I, I didn't really have friends. I had books, and books were the best thing in the entire world. And I got in trouble for reading too much all the time. So I didn't really learn how to interact with people or make friends until like way later, like college. So I, so much that I know or think I know about people comes from whatever other writers know or think they know about people. Hmm. <laughs> so would you consider yourself introverted or extroverted? I'm very introverted. Introverted. But, but, you know, just in the way that extroverts get their energy when they're around a lot of people, and introverts like, I can like being around other people, but, you know, I have to go off by myself a bit and recharge, go back out. Do you think it's interesting that, you know, you perform, but you're also introverted? No, because I know so many other actors who are like that. Yeah. And I know so many actors who, you know, when the, when the play is over and we know people are out there waiting for us, I know people who say, all right, now, we have to gird our loins. Let's go out there. And they don't know what to say when people say, oh, my God, you were great. It's, thank you. And don't know what else to say. And it's a little odd. Yeah, I know a lot of people like that. Because the thing is, to be an actor, you're... I, I I don't know if this is gonna to be too melodramatic, but it's you're, you're you're shoving your soul out there for people to judge, and there are people who love that and revel in that and the attention they get from it, and then there are people who go, here is my work, please like it. I'm I'm going to, I'm going to stand over here and going to watch you like it, and I'm separate from that a bit. Actors have influenced you the most. Oh. Well, just in town. Um, I worked with George Shakespeare. My first, that was my first job here. And watching the way Richard Garner and Joe Knezovich and Alan Edwards and Chris Kayser and all those, that wonderful cast worked was incredibly inspirational. And, it, and not just in terms of personality, too, but the kindest people. I was brought on to understudy Ophelia and Gertrude. And I didn't know what to expect from the Atlanta theater people at all, because I didn't work with anyone. And I was a little worried that, because I knew I'd be going on for several days as Ophelia, and I was kind of worried that maybe there would be like some strange girl rivalry issues. And the girl who played Ophelia, Anne-Marie Gideon, is my best friend, one of my best friends now. They're so nice. They are so nice, which is which just makes it a joy to work with these people keep discovering with them. Um... In terms of people who are far better known, I remember watching Emma Thompson's acceptance speech for the script for a Sense of Sensibility that she wrote. She read it in Jane Austen style, and I remember because I was a, I read Jane Austen along with everything else. I remember watching that that movie and realizing how much of the humor she brought into it, and I loved her style, and I love, yeah, I love watching pretty much anything Emma Thompson is in. So, what about your favorite plays that you've done? Done? Liaisons is, if not the top, at least the very top. I, I, I really, really like that one a lot. Um, let's see. 
the first show that completely and utterly stole my heart in favor of theater was Romeo and Juliet. Romeo I was Juliet. I was 16, and I studied the script for I think six weeks before the auditions because I was so determined or so very hopeful, and fell really hard and fast for that show. And lo I love the discoveries that you make once you spend that much time with one script because you do something over and over and keep talking about it and you start realizing things and one thing that I won't forget is thinking before I did the play oh you know Juliet's kind of an ingenue and she's a little silly and she's young and whatever and realizing how similar she is to her mother how forceful she is how much power her mother who is only what 26 years old to an, a much much older father so Juliet's mother had her when she was 12, and Juliet's almost 14, play happens, and her mom is strong enough to tell her husband what for. And if Juliet were just raised by the nurse, which people seem to think, then she, she'd have the same sense of humor. She wouldn't be telling the nurse to shut up. She'd respect her more probably a bit. And the, just the, the, the forcefulness of her mom is felt throughout pretty much everything Juliet does it. She falls in love with Romeo in the, in the balcony scene. The first thing she does is the second conversation she's had with him. She says, okay, you're going to marry me. That's what I want. You're going to marry If this is going to happen, then we want them to get married. You're going to figure it out. And she's not 14 yet. And I remember discovering that and thinking, oh, oh, this is cool. No. So that was my first love. When you're acting in the moment, what is the most important thing? The most important thing is the other person. The other person? Yeah. I mean, all you're there to do is create a relationship with the other person. It's, it's not about you, not really. I mean, you do your, your prep for whatever, home and off stage, and you get on there and all that matters is that you've gotten yourself into a position where you can interact with the other person honestly. Oh, and when you can do that and you can let them surprise you and you can react to what they're doing, then it becomes and it becomes so much more than what's on the page because you're both changing everything as it happens in very small ways. But yeah, it's the other person. Have you ever had to act alongside someone that you didn't particularly like? Um, I'm trying to remember. I don't think so. What about any roles that you especially would like to take on? I want to play the Marquis de Marseille badly. I am fascinated by the thought of playing her as someone who is who appears to the world as innocent and virtuous and as lovely and charming as possibly Madame de Tourvel. And she smiles, and then these terrible things fill out of her mouth. And I want to play with the contrast of innocence and just cruelty underneath. I want to, because um, watching the clips of Glenn Close and watching a lot of other things, they she's very easily made cruel, and I think there's so much fun and flightiness and glee to be found in her, and layered underneath the innocence that she has worked very hard to cultivate, has a huge monologue about cultivating, um, and I want to play Lady Macbeth, because I honestly think that her relationship with her husband is one of the greatest love stories in Shakespeare, because they 
share everything. He has an encounter with these witches, and they tell him, hey, you're going to be king someday. And he writes to his wife. First, it says he tells her everything. And she takes that up, and she goes with it, and she pushes him, and they, they both grow with each other. They see the cruelest sides of each other, and they say, okay, okay, I see that part of you. I know it. I love it. You're my husband. You're my wife. Let's keep going. We can do better. They they don't just love each other when the other person is being you know, the best person in the entire world, the most handsome, whatever. They go crazy together, pretty much. And I want to explore that relationship a lot. Because I think there's so much to be found in these two people who are so often seen by most as awful. And I want to explore everything about them that's not. What is the best thing about being you? Me? I have no idea. I have absolutely no idea. For anyone who is listening to this, what would you say to me? Well, because I know some of my students well. This work is so much fun. And it's such a pain and it's a headache and a heartache and it is and it, and it takes a while to get started to pay very much. But doing this is more fun than I could ever have thought before I started. It makes me so happy. Like when you have moments when you walk off stage with someone and you actually feel giddy because either it went, it's not because, oh my god, that was great, that went so well, but something happened that made you just feel exhilarated. It's a feeling you can't, you can't duplicate and it's, and there's so much to stories that we think we know because they're old stories. Especially the things like Shakespeare, the Greek stories, or any of them. If you have the chance of a story you like, go to see it in the theater because there's always something new to be found. And it helps you change the way you think, which I think is the coolest thing. My last question Who are you? Who am I? I am striving to get better. I'm not finished. Thank you very much. Thank you. Great pleasure. I Thank you. I really appreciate you doing this. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for stopping by today. If you enjoyed our program, consider telling a friend about it. The Paul Leslie Hour is made possible through people just like you. So you want to keep the show going, right? Go to thepaulleslie.com. That's thepaulleslie.com. Click on Support the Show. And thanks to everyone who contributes. Performance of the intro music is courtesy of John Primerano, The Entertainer, written by Scott Joplin. End credit theme music is courtesy of John Primerano, the traditional song, Corina, Corina. 
Your announcer is Dan Gold. Hey, that's me. The show is hosted and produced by Paul Leslie. And we'll see you next time on the Paul Leslie Hour.